I was going to take you to Philippians chapter 2. And I uh, had already had that message typed out this week and uh, worked on it last night uh, into the afternoon. Just some thoughts from Philippians chapter 2 where I wanted to go. But this morning I realized I had 15 points and tonight I was going to have another 9 or 10. And uh, so we decided to back up off that just a little bit, try to make it a little bit more digestible. Um, if you weren't here this morning, again, I challenge you to go back and listen. If you were here this morning, there's probably so much you probably should go back and listen again. Uh, some different thoughts, just some powerful truths for us. But uh, tonight we're going to do it a little different. We're really going to give you five ideas of hospitality, five biblical um, kind of frameworks that uh, we should look at hospitality with. So uh, one of the past Passages we read actually this morning has stuck in my heart over the last many days as it relates to uh, our, our privilege as a church to be able to host this conference. And so I want you to look with me at Romans chapter 12 and verse number 13. Romans chapter 12 was the passage we looked at this morning and uh, walked verse by verse through, I think, 20 or so verses. And uh, <coughs> excuse me, it was a blessing. So Romans chapter 12, verse number 13, we really, we read the verse, you'll recognize the verse. We really talked about the first part of the verse, but we never really, we read it and we mentioned it, no doubt, but we didn't lean into it and didn't try to uh, build a, a, a thought off of it. And we will tonight. So Romans chapter 12, verse number 13 says, distributing to the necessity of the saints and how that is something that we as God's people, a community of believers should be doing uh, when there's a need. Hey, we should try to meet that need. When there's somebody in the congregation who's got a need, hey, we have an opportunity and uh, we read another passage, I believe, in, in Mark or Matthew that talks about, hey, if you shut up your bowels of mercy, how dwelleth the love of God in you? And, and we kind of stopped there, but we didn't really emphasize the last part of the passage. But I want you to see that. Three words. Would you read them out loud with me? Ready, begin. Given to hospitality. Given to hospitality. Now, listen, in a ministry, I don't want to say th this size. I don't mean to make it sound like it's bigger than it is, but uh, we, we have more than a handful of people. And in a ministry this size and in a ministry this diverse, one of the responsibilities that God builds into community is this idea of hospitality, this idea of opening up our homes to allow folks to come in uh, and eat of our food and take of our time and sit on our couch and enjoy our air conditioning. That's what the biblical word hospitality means. In fact, the word for hospitality, the Greek word for hospitality, I, I couldn't pronounce it for you tonight. There's too many uh, uh, letters in it, but it, it's two words. There's two words that go into the Greek word for hospitality, and it means this, stranger, host, someone who hosts a stranger. Now, I, I think present in the congregation today are men and women who love to take care of their family, and you should, because if you don't, you're worse than an infidel. But also in the congregation tonight, there should be men and women who are excited about an opportunity to host people inside of your house who are not directly related to you, but open up the doors of your house and pay for the air conditioning and pay for the food and so forth. Um, now that absolutely applies, and we're gonna need to talk about that in terms of community in the weeks ahead. That absolutely applies to our home, and I would admonish each of us if we are going to have gospel community, we need to allow the gospel community to come into our borders, into our home, because you, you can't really treat someone like family at an arm's distance. But when you let them into your home, there's, there's a certain uh, uh, kind of uh, nod to them and, and a significance you're giving them by saying, hey, I want you to break bread with me. I want your feet under my table. I want you to sit across from me. And just the biblical need for hospitality, 100%, we will cover in the weeks ahead as it relates to our church, uh, just our corporate family here. But the Lord has given us as a church, this direction I want to go, and all the same truths will apply back and forth, but God has given us as an opportunity as a church to extend our corporate hospitality uh, as it relates to this youth conference, that we've been given this opportunity. Uh, and I'll say this, it wasn't presumptuously taken. It wasn't, we didn't jockey for it. We didn't even, to be honest with you, we didn't want it. We would rather be a team camp. Um, but there's a need. 
And uh, we have resources and we have ability and we have people and we have property and we have the ability to meet that need and to host some strangers uh, in uh, underneath our table, underneath our roof, underneath our air conditioning. And yes, they are members of another church, but ultimately this truth applies because they are part of the body of Christ in a universal setting. You may not know their names. Some of you just saw their names for the first time. And I'm praying that maybe God will allow you to meet the person you just prayed for. And somehow the Lord will bring it to your memory that you prayed for Jade. That was the kid I prayed for a moment ago. And I hope I see Jade sometime at teen conference and get to know Jade and and know what their needs are and so forth. But this is an incredible opportunity for us to love and to bless those who are not within our immediate circle. It's the exact same thing as hospitality. I look at us uh, as a family, the Trudell unit, that's my family. And then I entered, I, I host and, and extend hospitality to my church family. But then on a bigger, more cosmic level, hey, this is my church family. And all of those churches are the, the strangers coming in that we can host. And so I don't think it takes a bit of a, even a bit of a stretch to kind of get to that place. Like I said, I wanted to give you nine more points tonight from Philippians 2. That'll probably come up at some point in the weeks ahead. It's just a great passage. It's very similar to the passage we read this morning, and so I didn't want to go back-to-back list after list. And so rather, what I'm going to give you is five tips for being a good host, uh, whether that be in your home or in our church. So I want you to go to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 9, if you would, 1 Peter chapter number 4 and verse 9. We'll read verse 9 and 10 in just a minute. Let me start by saying this. Again, a far more topical-driven message than I normally will preach, but that's okay. This is an opportunity. This is a training session. I would like our church to do what God has entrusted us to do and to do it well. And so I'm going to give us these five tips on how to host well. Number one, we need to host with the right spirit, with the right attitude about us. Um, if you've looked at, I, and I, trust me, I have looked at the weather prediction every like 45 minutes. Um, we barely just rolled over to where I can start to see Monday. And uh, now we can see Tuesday and I'm waiting and I've got, I, I pinned Castaic and I pinned Valencia and I'm swiping to see if the weather's going up or going down. It's not going to be the most convenient thing on the planet. We're all probably going to be relatively hot, but we also as a church, should have the right spirit about it. We have an opportunity to serve. We should take it as such. And notice how hospitality should be done according to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 9. He says, use hospitality one to another without grudging. Ugh. Why are we here on a Tuesday morning, pastor? Why do we have to stand outside at a paintball field and cook? Now, let me say this. You don't have to do any of these things. You get to do these things. And even if you can't do these things, my heart is that you would hope you could do those things. Some of you are not going to be able to get work off. And I totally understand. We're not taking attendance and judging your Christianity based on who is not here. Uh, uh, Brother Jonathan said he would, but I won't do that. Uh, We won't be doing that. But my hope is that all of God's people say, Lord, would you give me an opportunity to serve? Maybe that's just the night times, but maybe God, you've given me the ability to come during the day, or maybe I've got an obligation, I'm gonna be gone, and maybe I can spend some time fasting and praying uh, instead of being able to serve. But either way, as we, I don't wanna say play host, because that kind of sounds trivial, but as we are given the responsibility to host, we ought to do it toward one another without grudging. Um, There is something about doing it willingly. Now imagine if you came over to, let's pick on Brother Jonathan. Let's say Brother Jonathan invited you over to his house and man, you're excited to go. You can't wait to see Brother Jonathan's house and you're excited and you show up. Brother Jonathan says, oh, they're here. And he lets you in, find a seat. I don't really care, just over there somewhere. And then they, oh, the food's not quite ready. If we, if we didn't have to cook for such a large group of people, the food would be ready. And, and if it was just my family, we would have already eaten, right? Every one of us would feel uncomfortable and none of us would feel hospitality. 
right? Hospitality is a willing surrender of your substance and your time in order to care for the needs of other people. In fact, it carries the connotation, we'll see it in a minute, of helping a sojourner, a stranger. Remember God's admonishment to Israel so often. He says, you were strangers in Egypt, so host strangers when they come through. Help them on their journey forward. And we as a church have an opportunity to host some strangers and we ought to do it, not because pastor made you do it, because I can't make you do it. I hope that what you do, you do willingly as unto the Lord. And I hope that when you stand at the door or you hand out an otter pop or you plate some pizza, you do it with a smile. You do it with joy in your heart at a great opportunity to lay up treasure in heaven, uh, to receive to yourself some reward that Satan cannot steal, the opportunity to invest. I, I pray that God's people would be welcoming. We, we have some rules at our house when we, we, host, we try to host folks as, as often as we can uh, within our house, and our kids know, hey, your toys are their toys, right? Uh, you get to, now, if you have something special, we have, there's some shelves in the boys' room and the girls' room. Hey, if you don't want anybody wrecking that Lego creation that took you eight years, put it on that shelf, but your toys are their toys. Your room is their room. Let them come and let them play. Let them feel like they are at home. And so we here at Faith, we have an opportunity to let our stuff become the stuff of other people. We have an opportunity to let our rooms become the rooms of other people. We have an opportunity to let our air conditioning become the air conditioning of other people. And uh, what a privilege it is to do that with a willing spirit, not with a grudging heart. Uh, We have the opportunity to clean up after 160 teenagers. Is that going to be easy? I'm not sure. I'm not totally sure. They're fairly good kids. They have good character. I really can't wait you to meet. Uh, or can't wait for you to meet them. But let's look at the next verse. Number two, we're going to learn a host has uh, uh, the uh, uh, host as a response. Forgive me. Host as a response to the many blessings that you have received. So the reason we host, well, we host with the right spirit. But the reason we host is because God has been so good to us. Look at it. Look at the verse. It's in the very next verse, verse number ten. There in First Peter four, he says, "As every man hath received the gift." Even so, minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold, the many, the, 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 the unfolding, the, the, the innumerable mercies and graces of God. So what he's saying is, hey, recognize how good I've been to you. And when a stranger or a sojourner comes within the bounds of your house, recognize that everything you have and appreciate, I gave you. And you should minister those out to those who you have the privilege of hosting. And so just think about it, church. We, are, we will holler and hoot and be excited and amen about a paid off property. And to God be the glory, I support that. What a blessing. But what an opportunity, right? We are not in a tent. And, and, the, and God's people said amen to that who were here for that. We have an opportunity to host. God has blessed us with a courtyard and an opportunity. He's blessed us with multiple rooms, multiple fields with grass in it. Uh, If that's what we're going to call it, just don't tell them there's goat heads out there. Um, But listen to this. Think about your actual home. As it relates to a pastor, it's actually one of the biblical requirements to be given to hospitality. But the house that God gave me, like he actually gave me. Like he provided the down payment. He, He took care of so many things to give me that dwelling place. Be it far from me for me to look at him and say, no, you can't use it. No, you can't have it. That's my stuff. Uh, I'm not going to let that family come into my house and, you know, scuff my walls and, and dirty my tables or dishes. I'm not going to let that. This belongs to me. No. And the exact same thing should be the case on a corporate level. And I assume that it will be. I would just like us to have these brief moments of being challenged and, and uh, being encouraged to host these folks as they come in. And uh, as a response to the gift and grace of God he's bestowed on us. I want you to go to Matthew chapter number 25. Matthew chapter number 25. It's a great reminder. Remember, number three, any hospitality rendered, even unto the least, the least deserving, 
the least important, if you could bring yourself to say that, uh, the least aged, the, I mean, figure out what you want the least to kind of uh, apply to. But he said, uh, even unto the least of these, when you render hospitality, you are rendering it to Jesus himself. When you're handing out pizza to the smallest seventh grader you have ever seen, and you think in your mind, I didn't know they made them that small. You are giving a piece of pizza to Jesus. I'm not exaggerating, and I'm not conflating. When you help a teenager who's playing paintball find the water cooler, you're helping Jesus find the water cooler. You say, well, when did we do that for Jesus? Great question. Let's see what the text says, Matthew 25, 34. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. When I was in hunger, you gave me meat. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. Naked and you clothed me, I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him saying, Lord, when saw we thee in hunger and fed thee? Or thirsty and gave thee drink. I've never, I would love the opportunity. Listen, and and I don't know, this might get a little weird, but I would love the opportunity if Jesus could walk in the building right now and say, Casey, can you give me a drink of water? Like I will run you over to get that glass of water. Tell me you wouldn't do the same, right? If it was Jesus, you would do everything in your power with honor in your bosom to say, I get to give God a cup of water. What a privilege, right? And they say, when when did we do this? When saw we you naked and clothed you? Or when saw we the Verse 39, sick or in prison and came unto thee. And the king shall answer and say unto them, verily I say unto you, and as much as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. What a privilege to bless Jesus. What a privilege to provide for the people of God. Because when we've done it, and this is where the austerity of God comes into play. Uh, the austerity of God, uh, we know from the New Testament, is that God is exacting and that he keeps perfect, meticulous records and he'll reward accordingly. The austerity of God is a terrifying thing if you are an unjust steward, as that story portrays. But if you are a faithful steward, austerity is a good thing. Because the Bible tells us that in no wise, even a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple. So not even in the name of an apostle, but like, hey, Brother Jonathan asked me to bring you a cup of water in no wise shall it lose its reward. The austerity of God, the pen will be clicked, the notepad will be open Monday through Thursday here at Faith Baptist Church. Not by us, because it shouldn't matter what we see or don't see, but by the God of heaven who is watching you love the least of these, the least deserving of these, the least grateful of these. I never said thank you. Hey, my heart is that they, I hope that they will, but should they not, even unto the least of these, you are serving, clothing, helping, visiting Jesus in these moments. So number four and almost done, hospitality and generosity go hand in hand. Um, I didn't want to get back into the Greek with you tonight, but the word for hospitality, again, means stranger host, but it implies lavish generosity. So if you think about the Old Testament, whenever hospitality was done, there'd be a sojourner or a stranger, uh, and they'd, they'd take them into their house. They would feed them of their food. They would host them as long as was necessary. Sometimes it'd be weeks long. They would care for their needs. While they were under their roof, they were under their care and their responsibilities, a grown man and a family. And yet that person would take full responsibility for the needs. In fact, one of the prerequisites to caring for widows is that she has housed the strangers, that she has cared for them lavishly, that she has washed the feet of the saints. Uh, that is God's expectation when it comes to hospitality, that we would, we would be expensing of ourselves and taking of our time, and it'd be costing us much because, hey, while they're under our roof, they're under our care. And that doesn't mean that, hey, we're in charge, this is our place. 
That means like, hey, you know, you came, you drove to Bakersfield. This is our privilege to host you. And what a privilege. I'd say this, it's super worth it. And uh, I don't mean to get spooky. I just get biblical. Would you go with me to Hebrews chapter 13, verse number one? There is a a unique, and and unique is definitely the word for it because you're not going to find it anywhere else in the Bible. If it wasn't here in Hebrews 13, one, I wouldn't wouldn't believe it or agree with it, but it is in the Bible. So what am I going to do about it? There is a unique opportunity when it comes to hosting strangers. Look what it says in Hebrews 13.1. This is New Testament. This isn't Old Testament. Hebrews 13.1 says, let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain or to host strangers. For thereby some have entertained angels unaware. All right? So I don't know how else to interpret that other than the fact that, hey, if you're careful to host strangers, you know, only God knows there might have been an angel in the midst of that. I don't mean to get weird. I don't know what to do with that. I just know it's in the Bible there. It is an opportunity to host. And if we're doing it under the least of these, we're doing it under him. And so what a privilege to be able to be generous and lavish, uh, accepting the cost of that responsibility. I want you to go one last place before we close tonight um, in Matthew chapter number 10. And I actually kind of put this already with that uh, previous point, uh, the austerity of God. So we'll just look at that uh, a passage for just a few moments. Matthew chapter 10, verse number 40. Then I got some closing thoughts. We'll jump into this meeting and get some folks signed up. Matthew 10, verse 40 says, he that receiveth you receiveth me. He that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. He that receiveth the prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. Whosoever shall give to drink one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. So again, remember the austerity of God. Um, let me make a couple of just closing thoughts before we get into our meeting. It's an incredible opportunity uh, to live out gospel community. We'll have about 160 teenagers from across the state crawling all over the property. And what would have been done by a paid camp staff up at Quaker Meadow will now be done almost exclusively by the membership of Faith Baptist Church. And that's scary. It definitely is. It's an unintended unintended interruption in our church. Um, but it's an exciting opportunity to have community. And here's what I mean by that. Community is two parts. Remember, we assemble around something and we assemble for something. We gather together because we have a shared faith, right? Now, this, this following week, not this week, but the following, we will gather Monday through Thursday, should you be able to, not around something, but for something. Uh, and I know that this investment into the next generation is a passion shared by all of the congregation. Um, it's not just my, my passion or heart for it. You've invested tens of thousands of dollars. You've sent your teens. Uh, you were prepared to send your teens this time. Many of you have gone up yourselves. I think a large portion of our congregation went up last year to work at the camp. And I want this passion to be something that we live and breathe to try to invest in the future generations. And, and perhaps that prayer request was answered by God allowing us to host the second ever Camp Forge for all of us to have an opportunity to to love on the teenagers. The moms of small kids who can't make it to teen camp now have an opportunity to serve. The senior citizens who couldn't walk up the hills and back now have an opportunity to serve. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, those who couldn't take time off can now come and be a part of the evening service. Every single member of faith has a chance to change the future kingdom of God. Uh, for those who come, for those who make time, for those who give up their nights just to serve pizza or hand out water bottles, there is going to be a common unity among those who are present. And I don't mean that to say, well, we'll be exclusive. We were the group that was here. I mean that because that's just how community works. 
There's a common unity shared by those who are present. There's a common unity shared, and it's an exclusive club of the people at faith who were in the tent. As much as I wish I could get that card, I can't get that card. I was never here for it. There's a common unity shared by those who were in the drive-in services during COVID. There's a common unity over those who were here when we paid off the property. That's just how common unity works. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with saying, hey, you remember that time? Bam, yeah, high five. There's nothing wrong with that. You're not being exclusive toward those who don't have that. Uh, But the fact of the matter is, we said this during COVID, these days will become those days. And already COVID is those days. Remember those days we had to do that? How fast that became history. How fast that became something in our rearview mirror. And I, I'll say it from over here. I hope. Teen conference doesn't happen again. I hope for teen camp. But what an opportunity to be able to say, remember that one year where God gave us, the moms with little kids and the senior citizens and the people who couldn't take work off to go up to camp? Remember when God gave us the express privilege of hosting it that one year? You remember how God spoke? You remember when those teenagers got saved? You remember when those lives were changed? It's a blessing to get tired for Jesus. We get tired for all kinds of foolish things. You know, we talked a little bit about Little League this morning, right? We will drive and do and serve and pay, like I said, for a piece of plastic that they won't even care about in three years. They're not handing out scholarships based on Little League. We should get tired for Jesus. We should be able to stand in the heat and suffer a little bit like we would for any other thing, right? And any other thing that's uneternal. But now we have an opportunity to invest in 160 plus teenagers who have a never dying soul, who have more potential than any athlete in some Pop Warner thing. These young people seated in this auditorium in the week from now will have the potential to change the world. And we have an opportunity to serve them, to bless them, to be a part of investing in something that matters. Um, and again, we all, we all invest in what matters to us. The privilege of being a disciple is that he gets to change what matters to us, right? Because we're his follower, he redrafts what's acceptable, not just to God, but to us. He redrafts that. What was acceptable to us is no longer acceptable. We want to do what God finds acceptable. And you are out of your mind if you think God doesn't frantically, ferociously care about the young people that'll be on this property. And I just say this, for those of you who've gone up there, you know what I mean. I can't wait for you to meet them. They are a great group of teenagers. They love Jesus. They've got a sweet spirit. I can't wait for you to hear them fill this room with singing. I can't wait for you to see them uh, just having the right spirit, even though it's a little bit hot outside. I can't wait for you to meet them. They're going to breathe such hope into your, your, your or life, into your hope for Christianity. They're going to revitalize us as a church. And so for that, I'm like, hey, I'm a little selfishly grateful that we're having camp here, uh, our conference here. See, I can't even get camp out of my mind. I really just want to go back. But amen. 